And welcome to another episode of the Music and Therapy Podcast with Relationship Coach Kiana W. Mitchell. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Well, guys, I hope you had an amazing week. I hope that you are having a great day and that all is going well for you and your family. Last week on the podcast, we revisited an older episode of the podcast that talked about holiday depression and how it can affect your marriage and your mental health. So here are a few takeaways from that episode. Last week, we talked about some of the things that could cause holiday depression, and that could include stress, fatigue, unrealistic expectations, over-commercialization, financial stress, and the inability to be with one's friends and families. So we can see how this could be possible last year especially, but even this year, because we still have some of the same things going on and overlapping into this year. We also talked about some of the ways that you could kind of get rid of holiday depression or make yourself feel better and not feel as depressed. And some of the ways that we talked about were to acknowledge your feelings, reach out, make sure you don't isolate yourself, let people know what's going on, be realistic, set aside differences if you have different things going on with family members, arguments, disagreements, just set them all aside for the holidays and spend time enjoying the company of the people that you love. Another thing that you could do is stick to a budget. Now, as I mentioned, sometimes people get depressed and stressed out because they may not have the money to do all the things they want to do. But it's important to stick to a budget. I can tell you sticking to a budget always makes stress, anxiety, and depression a lot better because you don't have extra things to worry about about how you're going to pay bills the next month because you spend all your money for Christmas. So stick to a budget. Plan ahead. Learn how to say no. It's okay if you don't go to every activity. It's okay not to go to holiday parties if you don't feel up to it physically or emotionally. So take care of you. And if you have to say no to attending an event, say no. It's okay to say no. Another thing you can do is make sure that you don't abandon healthy habits, whether it is walking, whether it's eating healthy, getting your rest at night, whatever it is that helps you feel physically and emotionally safe and healthy, make sure you continue those habits into the year and do not abandon them just because it is the holiday season. Take a breather. Take a chance to relax. Take a chance to take a nap. Whatever you have to do to feel relaxed, make sure you do that. Even if it's a bath, knitting, whatever it is, reading a book, just take a breather, relax, and make sure you have time to de-stress and just enjoy the calmness of the season. And finally, If you find out that none of these suggestions are working and you feel like you're going to need some more help, please feel free to seek professional help if needed. A counselor, I always say, is the best way to go. If you're still feeling this way after you tried these techniques, go see a professional counselor and they can definitely help you figure out what's going on and to help you through this season and through your holiday depression. So these are a few takeaways from last week's podcast episode. So if you would like to hear more about holiday depression, then click on the link in the show notes to listen to that episode. Now, before we get to this week's topic, a word from one of our sponsors. Hello, this is relationship coach Kiana W. Mitchell, and I would love to invite you to join my signature program called Improve Your Marriage While Improving Yourself. This is a year-long intensive marriage coaching program that will help you improve your marriage and in the process, improve yourself. In this course, you will discover who you are, 
what your expectations are for your marriage, and why you act and react the way you do in your marriage. These are just some of the things you will discover about yourself and your marriage during this program. So if you are struggling in your marriage and want to improve your marriage, then click the link below in the show notes to be a part of the Improve Your Marriage While Improving Yourself signature program. I can't wait to see you there. Today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about how to revive a dying marriage. Believe it or not, it's not uncommon for couples who started off madly in love to find out that they are in a dying marriage. According to marriage.com, the ultimate proof that you are in a dying relationship is not the feeling of hating your partner. Absolutely not. It's the feeling of indifference, of not caring about their thoughts or their feelings or their welfare, not taking them into consideration. That is the proof that you could be in a dying relationship or a dying marriage. Being in a dying marriage is almost like watching your marriage end in slow motion and feel as if there's nothing you can do about it. But of course, there is always something that you can do about it. But before we talk about what you can do about it, let's discuss some of the signs that you may be in a dying marriage. Number one, we already said you don't care. You're indifferent. You don't care about their thoughts, their feelings, how things make them feel. If anything, you start thinking about just me and you no longer think about your partner or include them. So that is a sign that you could be in a dying relationship. Another sign that you could be in a dying relationship is that your sex life is non-existent. There is no affection. There is no sex. That is another sign. And we already touched on affection, but that's another sign that the relationship just isn't what it used to be. If there's hardly any affection from day to day, you guys aren't snuggling, you're not talking, you guys just doing your own thing and kind of just living separate lives in the same house. That is a sign that you could be in a dying marriage. And if you are not in a dying marriage, you could be heading toward a dying marriage. Another sign is that you hesitate to make future plans with your partner. Now, this is important because when you are in a committed relationship, future plans are important, especially if you plan to spend your life with that person. So if you plan to spend your life with that person, then it shouldn't be a big deal for you to make a future plan for the next five years or what you want to do in five years or where you want to go or what you want to do even a year down the road. But if you find yourself unable to commit and make these types of plans with your partner or your spouse, then that shows that you could be in a dying relationship or marriage. If you are always annoyed at your spouse and everything they do starts to bother you, then that's a sign. Now, don't panic because all of us have things that annoy us about our spouses. Let's just be real. Let's just be honest. Whether it's leaving the toilet seat up or not washing dishes or whatever it is, there is something that annoys us about our partner. But here's the difference. Like, there are things that annoy us about our partners, but that doesn't take away the love that we have for them. It doesn't take away the warmth that we feel for them. It's just like, oh, but it's not like, oh, I hate them. It doesn't make us angry. It doesn't make us so upset to the point where we just don't want to be bothered. Now, if you're feeling like that, then yes, you are probably in a dying marriage. And it's something you should definitely pay attention to because that can kind of give you a sign of how you are feeling about your spouse and toward them. 
if you find yourself looking at other people and fantasize about them, about what it would be like to be in a relationship with them or what it would be like to have sex with them, then yes, you are definitely either in a dying marriage or heading toward a dying marriage because these are indications that your marriage is not where it's supposed to be. And if there's no progress, then the marriage will definitely fall apart. But don't panic. Sometimes these things happen. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world and it can be worked on and it can be fixed and salvaged. But you have to be able to identify whether you are in a dying marriage or not. So we've gone over some of the signs that you might have if you are in a dying marriage. So let's see. If you can relate to any of these, then I would say that you should probably begin to take steps to revive your marriage and see what you guys can do to get closer together because these signs are not good. It's a good thing that you recognize the signs, but this is just letting you know that these are just some things you need to work on and just some things you need to change. Your marriage is not over. It doesn't mean that your marriage is over and there's no hope. No, it's the opposite. It's just like a thermometer. It's just letting you know, okay, here's the problem. So you know what to work on. Because if you don't know what to work on and you can't recognize problems in your relationship, then your relationship is doomed to fail because you don't know what to fix. But if you see the problem and you can recognize it, then you can go about working on that problem. So all of these things can be signs that you're in a dying marriage. And if you feel that you or your spouse may be in a dying marriage, like I said before, don't panic. There are some things you can do to bring back the love and the warmth in your relationship. It is possible for you to revive your marriage. So here are some of the things that you can do right now to revive your marriage. And they're shocking because you wouldn't think about them. But here are just a few things that you can do to revive your marriage. Number one, give your partner grace. Yes. Give them grace. The reality is, to be honest, that we have expectations of what marriage looks like. And your partner has expectations of what marriage looks like for them. And the crazy thing is, like when you're in that beginning stage and you're trying to get to know each other, sometimes we don't really talk about the expectations because we feel as if my expectation is the same as my spouse or his or her expectation is the same as yours. And that is not always the case. Like my expectation of marriage could be where I have a Prince Charming, he does everything for me and with me, we snuggle, we laugh. And his expectation might be, well, you know, I have a wife, you know, she can help me with this, she can help me with that. All of us have different expectations and our expectations are pretty much based on what we saw growing up as a child. Or if we didn't see the proper relationship model for us, what we saw on TV or what we saw modeled from other people becomes our reality and we expect marriage to be like this. But marriage is not always like this. And in reality, your spouse is not going to meet all of your expectations because a lot of these expectations that we have about marriage and our spouse are expectations we created. They know nothing about these expectations, but because we have them, then we feel when they don't meet these expectations that we have and we never told them about, then we're disappointed like, oh, this isn't the right person for me or you find yourself feeling upset or frustrated. And it's because of expectations that you expect your partner to meet that they cannot meet because they're different and vice versa. Like they have expectations that they expect you to meet, but you can't meet because that's not who you are and you don't know about these expectations. So one way to combat this and not to get so angry and frustrated with your partner is to realize 
that they're human, they're people, they cannot read our thoughts. And even if you throw like signs out there and signals, some people can't pick up on signals. Like I honestly can't pick up on signals. You can signal me and try to give me hints and clues all you want. I will not catch them. So you have to literally say, Kiana, could you, or something like that, and then I'll get it. But I'm, and I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people out there like me. Like we just don't get clues. Now some people might get clues and pick up on hints. I'm just going to be real. I don't. So you have to tell me what you need from me. And then I'll be more than happy to oblige, but you got to talk to me. You have to tell me what you need. And so you have to look at it like this. Learn to accept the reality that unmet expectations are a part of every relationship. Your spouse is not going to meet all your expectations. So you just need to learn the value of granting them grace. And giving your partner grace doesn't mean that you should ignore things that they do that may be harmful to the relationship. No. Giving them grace means, oh, so they don't meet the expectation of buying me flowers for our anniversary, but they got me a card. Accept it. Realize that's their way of them telling you that they love you and that they care. And let go of all your unrealistic expectations. Because by letting go of unrealistic expectations, then you have nothing to compare them to. And whatever they do, that's just who they are. And you can accept it because you have nothing to grade them against. So number one, let go of unexpected. Let go of all unrealistic expectations and also give your partner grace. Number two, don't assume that you know what's going on with your partner because you do not. Assumptions can destroy even the strongest marriages. Because when you assume, you act like you know what's going on in your partner's head and that just opens the door for miscommunications and misunderstandings. Because you don't know. Just because you know them doesn't mean you know what they're thinking. Like, for example, my husband and I, we've been married for 16 years, but we've known each other for 17 years. And we are two different people. We think so differently. It's like night and day. He thinks one way, I think another. And so for me to sit down and try to assume what he's thinking will always lead me in the wrong direction because he's not thinking that where I would be thinking that. And I'm telling you this because I have tried this whole trying to figure out what your spouse is thinking crap. And it does not work because... You can't tell what someone's thinking. You don't know. Even if you know them very well, you don't know what they're thinking. So the best thing is to sit down and talk to them. Don't assume because you could pr- nine times out of ten, your assumption is going to be wrong. So it's better to have communication. Sit down, talk to them about what is going on. Because if you do this, then you'll know where to go, how they're feeling, and you guys can work together as a team instead of fighting each other and trying to figure out what's going on with the other person especially if you're assuming you know what they're thinking when you don't. Another way to revive a dead marriage is to take time to affirm your partner. Let them know how much you mean to them and how much they mean to you. Now, it can be hard to give positive affirmations if you are angry or if you are upset because when you're mad, you don't want to do anything positive for somebody that you're mad at. And I know this because I feel the same way. It's like if I'm mad at somebody... And I want to do anything nice for them, nothing at all. So if I'm mad at my spouse or if I continually think negative things about him and constantly, and if I'm constantly upset with him and angry and mad, then of course I'm not going to want to do anything. But this is where it takes for you to be the grown-up in the relationship. And I say this because so many times we talk about marriage and relationships, but no one talks about the work that goes into it. And this right here is where the work comes in. So even if you might be upset or angry or whatever, you have to let that go. 
put it aside and say something positive. Do something nice. Instead of criticizing, make sure you're intentional about providing praise and expressing gratitude. Because by doing this, you will begin to revive your marriage. Your spouse will say, oh, this is different. She's not mad at me or he's not mad at me. Or you'll see that the communication will get better. You'll see that just by being kind, you can open the doors of communication. You can revive a marriage. You can do so many things just by showing gratitude, just by affirming your partner and being kind to them. I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to always tell me, Kiana, you could win, what did she say? You could win more bees with honey than with something. Okay, I don't remember all of it, but I remember the honey part and the bees. And so what she was pretty much trying to say is this. You can win more people. You can be friends with more people. You can do more things. If you are just kind to people and don't return bad things, bad deeds for bad deeds. So if you're good for people, then people are going to be nice to you. Like, do unto others as you will have them do unto you. The golden rule. And I know we've all heard it, but if you apply it to your marriage, then it will definitely help you to revive your marriage because you're tearing down walls, you're tearing down boundaries, and you're opening the door to a safe environment where your spouse will be able to freely talk to you and communicate. So make sure you take time to affirm your partner. Another thing that's important to do is get to know your partner on a deeper level. Now, of course, if you've been married for a long time, you're just like, well, I already know them. I already know what they're thinking. I already know them. But you know, as human beings, we evolve. Like the Kiana today is not the Kiana 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And I'm not going any further. But who I am today is not the person I was years ago. Who I am today is not even who I was yesterday. Because yesterday I learned some things and I decided to change some things. So every day we evolve. We're supposed to get better. And if you are holding on to what your partner used to do, what they did in the past, and not recognizing the growth, not recognizing the emotional maturity that is and has been occurring throughout the years, then you're not going to get to know them on that deeper level. So take time to get to know who they are today. Not get to know the person that you married, but who they are today. I've heard a lot of people, a lot of couples, they say things like this. You're not the person I married. And that is true. They're not the person you married because you married them a while ago and they have changed since then. And you know that could be a good change or it can be a bad change. And hopefully in your case, it's a good change. But the people we married years ago are not the people who they are today. So get to know them at, on a personal level. Get to know who they are today. And stop trying to expect them to be who they were when you first married them because they have changed. And you know what? You have to. So get to know your partner on a deeper level and get to know who they are today and give them credit for who they are instead of holding past things against them. Another thing that is super important to do is make a list of your disagreements. Sometimes in order to be able to restore a marriage, you and your partner have to overcome some disagreements. And here's the thing. Now, if there are some disagreements that are like trivial, it's not a big deal to your marriage or whatever, then fine. Let it go. You don't even have to talk about it. But if it's something serious like boundary issues or financial issues or something that definitely has to be fixed before you guys can move forward in a positive direction, then you need to talk about these things. So make a list of your disagreements, list out each area of contention, and then work toward coming toward a compromise in each area. And I wouldn't advise you to tackle the list at once 
because that can be daunting, it can be overwhelming and emotionally draining. So pick one thing at a time and work on that. And once you finish with that and you make a compromise and you're working on that goal, then maybe a couple weeks later, go back and revisit something else. And if you guys need help with that, a counselor is always my best option. I say see a counselor, a marriage counselor, so you guys can work through this list together. Because the marriage counselor can be someone who can maybe mediate and be a moderator for you and explain to the other person what you may mean. Because sometimes when you're caught up in the heat of the moment, what someone's saying, what you hear may not be what they are saying. So I would advise you, if you feel that you and your spouse may not be able to navigate this alone, please get the help of a professional counselor so that you guys can tackle these things together and be able to work through this area and of your marriage so that you can make it better and revive your marriage. Here is something that I love, love, love. In order to revive your marriage, you know what? You have to work on yourself. It is so easy to blame other people for what's going wrong, even your spouse. Now, they are probably part of the problem because it takes two people to make a marriage. And so they have to be part of the problem or else there wouldn't be a problem. But with that being said, you have to be part of the problem because you are part of the marriage. So if you work on yourself and figure out what you are doing to this marriage that's contributing to it in a negative way and then work on those things, then you will definitely begin to revive the marriage because you are working on part of the problem. And this is something you don't even need your spouse to do. You can work on yourself by yourself. And I would say that it would be better if you did seek a counselor, not for the both of you, but just for you. Because if you're having a hard time in your marriage, and you've been having a hard time, and you're at this point where your marriage is dead, that shows that this has been going on for years. So you're going to need some help as well. I would say go to a professional counselor, get the counseling, get the help, work through your issues so that you can begin to revive and reset your marriage. Instead of constantly demanding change from your partner, demand change from yourself and begin to work on you so that you can revive the marriage. It's easier to start with one person than not to start at all. So start with you. Another thing to do would be stop criticizing and express concerns effectively. Now, I know a lot of people think that criticizing is a way to express concerns. All right. I love watching reality TV. I'm watching this show now called, um, I think it's called My Name is Jazz or something. Anyway, it's in this show, the girl in the show, she, oh, the song is called, the show is called I Am Jazz. Okay, so in this show, this girl, she's put on 100 pounds, she's gained a lot of weight, and her family's way of trying to quote-unquote encourage her to lose the weight is to criticize her, to constantly watch what she eats, and all of this stuff, and it's not working. If anything, it's making her more stressed, more, she has more anxiety, and she's eating more because she's stressed, and she's stress eating. So sometimes the way we think we're showing love and concern is not love and concern. It is misguided, and even though our hearts might be in the right place, our actions are totally in the wrong place. So one thing to do, if you find yourself concerned about your marriage and wanting things to work out, and you're just like, ah, I don't know what to do, and so you're criticizing your spouse, and you're constantly nagging them and trying to talk to them to get their attention to see what you see, the best thing to do right now is to stop, to stop it. And learn how to express concerns effectively. So when you express concerns effectively, you let the person that you're concerned about know that 
you are concerned. But you have to show it in a way, not through resentment, not with anger, not with criticism. You have to show concern in a certain way. Like, for example, if you and your spouse aren't doing things together, you want them to do things together with you, you can say something like this. So instead of saying, you never do anything with me, you never do this, and I'm upset because this, that, and the other, you must not care, say something like this. Is everything okay? I notice you've been a little preoccupied, a little stressed out. We're not doing anything together. Is there something I can help you with? Because you're showing concern for them. Because if you see that their pattern of behavior has changed, maybe something is going on with them. So many times we always assume that things that are going wrong is because of us, so that it involves us. And sometimes your spouse could be struggling with something that they're not talking to you about. They could be struggling with something they're not telling you about. So if you address the concern of how are you doing what's going on with you then you can get to a resolution you can get an answer and then you guys can start working on that instead of accusing them about things that you think may be going on in your marriage so in order to reset your marriage you need to learn to approach conflict or differences of opinion calmly and constructively so be constructive if you feel yourself escalating to anger then it's okay to take a break before you say anything hurtful that you didn't truly mean. Because once you say words, you can't take them back. And sometimes when we are angry, we say things that hurt our partner or our spouse. And the crazy thing is, a lot of times your spouse will remember the things that you said in the heat of the moment that hurt them. And you can't take it back. You can't say, pretend I never said that because you did. And they cannot go back and pretend you never said that. So make sure that you are mindful of what you said you don't say anything hurtful and if you feel like you can't control yourself and the conversation take a break and then only if you're able to come back calmly rationally then talk again but if not just let it go and seek the help of a counselor who can help you guys work through this now in order to have a discussion you have to start with care words like I feel that, or my concern is that, instead of just saying, you did this, you did that, or whatever, because then they're feeling attacked. And when someone feels attacked, they fight back. And then you're getting nowhere because you are fighting each other instead of working together. So by saying things like, I feel that, or my concern is that, this keeps the conversation respectful and avoids placing blame on your partner. Another way to help your marriage and revive it is just increase positive interactions. Don't let every interaction with you be so stressful until they just don't want to be with you. So in order to have a good interaction, it's important that for every negative interaction, you need to compensate with five positive interactions. And it makes sense. So if you have a bad interaction, then have five positive interactions. Spend more time hugging your partner or giving a comforting touch instead of arguing. Listen to them. Make them feel that they are important so that they will know that they're being heard. And this goes. This, this is the same when it comes to criticism. So if you are, feel like you have something you want to say to your spouse, and remember, only constructive criticism is good for relationships. Just regular criticizing, not good. But you would have to say something like, do five positives and then you're one negative. Like, you're good at this, you're good at that, you're amazing at this. I would work on such and such and such. And then go back with a positive. Because our brains cannot handle or take so much negative. It's, it just can't handle it. So that is why it's important to give five positive things, whether it's words of affirmation or reassurance before you say something negative, 
Or if you have a negative interaction, then it should be five positive interactions to balance out and make up for it. Take a look at your parents' marriage. And this is good because you will see um, exactly why you're reacting the way you do. Sometimes in marriages, we are going off of what we what we see. And it makes sense because you've never been married before. Like, how would you know what to do? So we go by what we see. And so many times we don't have a good example of what a marriage is or what it should be like. So we honestly don't know. So if you sit down and you're like, you know what? My parents did this or they divorced or whatever. Then you'll have an idea of what happened. So you're like, okay, so I don't really know what this is like. And then you can begin to work on yourself and help yourself to go through that learning curve to see what a marriage is actually like. I would even suggest if you don't have any positive role models for marriage, see if there's people either in your church or in your sphere of influence or people that you can talk to or know who have a positive relationship and maybe see what their marriage is like and then use that as a way to determine where your marriage is. And as I said before, counseling always works to help you figure these things out. So if, instead of doing things by trial and error, if you see a counselor, you can have the tools you need to effectively work on your marriage. And finally, in order to make any marriage work or revive any dead marriage, you have to, it's a must, eliminate affairs, addictions, and excessive anger. Because if your marriage contains any of these traits, it is not going to be successful. So in order to change that, you have to create a new marriage that doesn't include any of those barriers. Repairing a marriage in which there's an affair or in which one partner suffers with an addiction or anger problem may require the help of relationship therapists. So please don't feel alone if you're unable to do this on your own. Seek the help of a counselor. So these are just some ways that you can begin to revive your marriage. And if you see that any of these ways um, are not working for you or you feel like you need extra help, then always seek the help of a professional counselor and they can definitely help you with this so that you can begin to revive your dead marriage. Now the song we're going to listen to today is called Disconnected and the song is about a woman who is feeling disconnected in her relationship. So here is the song, Disconnected. <laughs> I thought I could tell you all my thoughts and my feelings You were the one who was supposed to stand by me But when I talk, you often walk away And you ignore the words that I say It gets harder to live
podcast i would like to thank you so much for being here with me today i absolutely love hanging out with you each week and it's always a pleasure to spend time with you if you love the podcast as much as i love spending time with you i encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts i will also love it if you will leave a review for the podcast so you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show Because I am so thankful to you guys, I am going to be giving away a free gift. I understand that being married can be difficult and stressful at times. So if you are looking for a way to stop arguing and resolve issues in your marriage, then click the link below in the show notes to download your free PDF about how to solve problems in your marriage. If you would like to contact me, feel free to contact me on social media by clicking the links in the show notes, and I promise you that I will respond to your message. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.